With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking to producers Brian Grazer and Ron Howard, two of the busiest men in Hollywood. First up, Brian talks about what he looks for in a TV project. And then Ron takes the mic to chat about genius, Nat Geo's new scripted series about Albert Einstein. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Variety's Executive Editor of TV, and it's my pleasure to welcome Brian Grazer. Deborah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for carving out time. You've got pretty much producing every show on television at this point. <laughs> well, not quite, but I have some. Good, I have ones that I'm proud of that I like a lot. I love being involved with Empire. We just did Shots Fired that we're here at the TCA, and we just finished our 24 panel. So let's start talking about 24. Why was this the right time to bring back 24? Well, to me... There was always the right time <laughs> because even though I, uh, I, you know, I worked and was an executive producer on the, on the show the first eight years, I always experienced it as a fan. I just loved, loved, loved the show, and I can say this um, as a fan because I didn't write the show. Um, uh, you know, Howard Gordon did, Manny and Evan, of course, uh, Bob Cochran and Joel Cernow. So we had a lot of great writers doing it. But it, it just the way it serendipitously uh, was prescient in our culture. So it was not only a really uh, well-told story that had urgency and a new style, meaning a new style that it was 24 hours in real time, but it kind of was a way, an empowerment vehicle. It was a way to create where we as Americans could feel that somebody was creating justice. Um, and oddly enough, because of its prescience, those things occurred. I mean, in, in many different ways. I mean, we did get Bin Laden. Uh, we did do a lot to help eradicate the Taliban. Sadly, right now, there's another terrorist organization, which, um, which is less centralized, so it's more difficult, that our sh new show, 24, will actually have some focus on, uh, which would be ISIS. And, and or that broad category of what that means. Um, but I just, loved, I just loved the show. And when it ended, I went to Howard Gordon with just complete desperation. Like, can we keep continue? Is there any way we continue? And we both agreed that, that we should try to make a movie because there wasn't, you know, at that moment, a, a way to do that in television. And we worked on that for about a year, a year and a half with Kiefer, in fact, and realized that that was just not the right form for 24. 24 is best served as a show that, that the consumer can experience every week and that the way the 24 stylistic real time is in operation the best is when you are pulled forward through these urgent kind of cliffhangers. 
But this version does not have Jack Bauer in it. You have a brand new hero. We do. We have a brand new hero, uh, Corey Hawkins, who played Dre in Straight Outta Compton. And he was such an effective uh, actor in that movie. And Dr. Dre, who's a friend of mine, who's very, very perfectionistic, either in making music or in making movies, in the case certainly of, in Straight Outta Compton, uh, he said, this kid is awesome. You should keep an eye on him. And so we all sort of watched Corey and we thought this is going to be is going to be the best actor for it. He's able to talk about how it is an origin story, not just for the character, but for him. Um, and all those things are so important in in any actor creating an authentic role that we that we you know believe in and that um, I mean because we as we know I we grew up with Robert De Niro and Robert De Niro that's what he would do he was in he would completely inhabit a character and he would bring his personal life to it but it would be embedded within the character in the movie and that's what made him so unbelievable and effective and I think Corey does does the same exact thing and we've experienced it on our show 24 that he does that let's talk about Shots Fired okay. it's a really compelling event series I've seen I think six episodes at this point mm. it's fantastic talk about the genesis of that idea okay the genesis of the idea of Shots Fired is a convergent of ideas and inspirations from two separate sources one was uh, from Dana Walden actually who's chairman of uh, Fox Television and the network as well, and who's a friend of mine, and said, I think we should address racial discrimination and violence, how, it, how all these things are interact with each other. At the same time, a friend of mine named Jack Dorsey, who created Twitter and is a good, a good friend, I said, where are you? He said, I'm in Ferguson. I said, what are you doing in Ferguson? He said, I'm spending from first day all the way through the week on Ferguson, I want to see what happens. And he was the third or fourth day into Ferguson and it had settled down. And he said, he told me about a situation where a 75-year-old African-American woman was thrown to the ground by police because she stood in one place on the sidewalk for longer than 60 seconds. She was no threat to anybody, Amazing. but the police said, keep moving. And she was trying to move. Right. But she exceeded 60 seconds, and they threw her to the ground, taped up her wrists and uh, ankles, and threw her in a car. And it was so graphic to me that what he had to say, what became kind of a palpable experience that he was explaining to me, and what Dana Walden was saying converged into being what was going to then become Shots Fired. My partner, Francie Calfo, in television, did all the wrangling and you know heavy lifting, and she got... Uh, Gina and Reggie to write, create, produce, and direct, you know, most all of these shows. It's an amazing, compelling series because it really takes a, you know, a hard look at police brutality, about police shootings, about, you know, really a, a new version of this story that we haven't seen before on broadcast television. Correct. And it's very important to see, to, to experience something like this because even though it, it, it does involve violence and it is a show that has a lot of unpredictability and propulsion, it is reflecting what goes on in parts of our country. And if you take responsibility and you do a show like this, which Gina and Reggie did do, and they're both African-American filmmakers and they're very talented, it becomes a cautionary tale. It creates a way for us to actually see it, experience it, 
and also decide we're going to take the choice of greater humanity as opposed to the other direction. I've spoken to them. I mean, when I made the movie A Beautiful Mind, that didn't sound interesting to make a movie that was ultimately an autopsy on schizophrenia. But we found this entry point that made that changed the perspective a shift of perspective so that it made it made the viewer experience it subjectively so that and that gives you a different way into a story that might not have propulsion and that's what we did on a on a beautiful mind here we're doing a very similar thing. That really is the power of television right now, to drive conversation. And I've spoken to the Blythewoods, and that's really what they're trying to do with this story. They feel like they've got a solution, and they feel like they have something to say. Yes, they do. Um, talk about your role as a producer in this. Is, is that what you look for in projects, being able to kind of change the conversation or add something to what we're doing right now, what we're talking about as a country? Yes. Uh, I definitely try to do that. I mean, sometimes... I've done it, you know, both in comedy and in drama. I mean, the first 15 years of my life as a producer, I wrote and produced comedies. I thought The Nutty Professor did that. But also A Beautiful Mind did that as a drama. And I can even tell you, I can make a case for how the thematics of both The Nutty Professor 1 with Eddie Murphy, those thematics in some way are similar thematics to A Beautiful Mind. It's just a different way of expressing it. I, from, for myself, I like to tell stories that in some way either reflect or intersect with what's going on in our culture. And to me, it becomes kind of an equation that I'm trying to prove, like an hypothesis. And if I can prove that hypothesis through an, by, by developing an equation, in the case, of, in the case of A Beautiful Mind or other movies, even Friday Night Lights, um, or even Eight Mile, which was, it was saying that hip hop in the movie Eight Mile was not an inferior subculture, that it was in fact the culture. So I like to do that and it gives me great gratification to you know, to, to be to be part of the culture and to prove that that the subject and myself have relevance. Well, we're living in a period of peak television right now, as we keep talking about. There's 400, going to be nearly 500 scripted series on the air. What's the secret of making a hit TV show? Have you figured that out? Is there a formula? No, I don't think there's any formula. <laughs> I don't have a formula. We were really lucky with uh, Empire because that was pretty much of a at the surface a non-formula. Sure. But all hits have some commonality to them. They have an element that is familiar. So I definitely don't think I have a formula, but we were creating a soap opera like Dynasty. So it was really King Lear, which was Shakespeare, and how that would be reflected in the modern day of the hip of language of hip hop. You obviously have feet in both movies and TV. What makes you choose that something's going to be a television show versus a movie project right now? Well, if it's character-driven, I immediately want to do it for television. If it's story-driven, which means there's a story and it has an endpoint, I normally will, I will contemplate that and make it into a movie. Especially now, so story-oriented would be a movie because it leads to an actual, it leads, leads to finality within a, a, a clock of two hours. 
But we're also seeing so many limited series that you feel like you can they can reinvent themselves. Yeah. They have a beginning, middle, and an end. So mm. TV seems like you can create something with any kind of format right now. Yeah, I mean, look, quite honestly and personally, I I choose television much more than I choose movies. It does because feel like I, I like television because there are so many more platforms, as you just said. Um, the platforms are, are sort of niche related, so you're going to get an audience, and um, so you're going to get your show is going to be sampled. The other thing that I like about television is it's it seem it feels more democratized in a way, and to me, it's more personal. I can put more of myself into the fabric of a television show than I can a movie, quite frankly. It also feels like it's driving conversation right now. It's definitely you know it's culture. It's what everyone's talking about. A hundred percent. I mean, the night of like I love the night of for HBO. I mean, I love a lot of the things that we do. I love a lot of stuff that Fox does. I mean, their Fox as a corporation has made some great television shows that I like. I mean, I think they're the top six shows or something. Um, so I uh, I just like tell I do like television as you do. What are you watching right now? What are you liking? I like The Crown a it's lot. It's wonderful, isn't it? I think it? it's really, really well-directed and well-made. Peter Morgan is the writer who wrote, actually, Frost Nixon for us and Rush. Uh, I think he writes every single episode of The Crown. I think it's amazing. What else are you working on? What else is on your plate? I'm finishing two movies. One's called uh, Dark Tower. It's a Stephen King book. I made it for uh, Sony. It stars Idris Elba, who I love, who was actually an American gangster we, that we did with Denzel Washington, and and Matthew McConaughey. So Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey. And then I've just finished a movie with Tom Cruise about a real-life CIA operative pre-Iran-Contra that became – while he was in the CIA, the biggest cocaine dealer in the world. And it's an interesting, you can't believe it sort of story. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Good talking to you, too. Thanks. So that's what Brian Grazier had to say about everything on his plate. We also sat down with his partner in crime, Ron Howard, who gave us a sneak peek of Genius, their new show about Albert Einstein. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Variety's Executive Editor TV, and it's my pleasure to welcome Ron Howard, the executive producer and director of the first episode of Nat Geo's new series, Genius. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, it's it's uh, it's good to be here. This, this is my um, it's interesting because it's the you know it's my first time really really talking um, about the project outside of internal creative meetings, uh, and so it's 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 uh, it's kind of uh, been a fun day. Well, I've seen the first episode and it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank it you. really looks great, and it's the first time you're directed, directing a TV show. Well, yeah, I did do TV movies uh, in the in the seventies. Um, I think my last one was 1980, and uh, but I've, I've, of course, with Brian Grazer at Imagine, we've done a lot of television over the years, and I love television. Uh, but this this provided such a unique platform and opportunity to, to tell the story. I've looked at scripts about Albert Einstein over the years, and I never felt any of them worked as movies as fascinating as that central subject Albert Einstein might be. Uh, this is coming from National Geographic. Is the right is 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 the opportunity to you know to really dissect the man to do what more what Walter Isaacson's 
book does and um and and and, and give context and uh and understand uh not only the triumphs but also the the, the struggles the barriers um and you know some some of them you know self-generated by by his own his own foibles and characteristics fascinating character study opportunity and uh and for me as a director also the chance to work with uh, with world-class uh talent in front of the camera starting with jeffrey rush you know and and doing something very very challenging which is probably of all of all the of all the tasks i could take on as a director probably my my very favorite thing it really is fantastic. I mean, you set that tone from the very first scene. You know what you're getting into because you, it's got humor. Talk about that first scene. Uh, well, it was, you know, it, it, he was, <laughs> Albert Einstein is, it was a, a very um, sexual um, person. I mean, he, he loved, by the way, he loved nature. He loved beauty. He, he, he loved music. He was a very passionate man, and he loved women. Uh, and uh, one, of the, one of the big surprises is is really uh, what a ladies' man he was, uh, really throughout his life, uh, and you know it gets back to his his central character, which I felt is is a lot more like a kind of bohemian, you know, author or painter, like a poet or something, than than a, you know a rigid, um, disciplined uh, scientist. His his view was not myopic; it was very very broad, and um, and 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 with that came a, a kind of a logic that he trusted, a logic to not just take everything as it's presented to you by society or or as, as written in textbooks, and so that was his gift, and he followed that instinct in 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 science and physics uh, and uh, and in his relationships. One of the things I loved so much about it was we always have had this idea of who Albert Einstein was, but you're able to sort of dig deeper and show all these different facets from him from a young age and an old age, and you kind of blend that seamlessly together. How much of a challenge was it because we see him as a young man as well as an old man as portrayed by Jeffrey Rush? Well, it's one of the reasons I really wanted to tackle that first episode because I wanted to create an aesthetic for the for the show that would um, you know put you inside um, Einstein, but also... In terms of the staging and the look, the editing and so forth, also occasionally go into the perspective of um, the the women in his life because they were a huge factor. And to 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 occasionally look at a, look at him from their perspective, it gave me a couple of visual poles to sort of uh, work with. I also wanted to be as atmospheric as I could because the world around him did matter to him. It did influence him. He was paying attention. To details and fascinated by um, you know things mechanical uh, uh, forces of nature and of course these 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 unseen um, uh, forces that is what he really dedicated his life to uh, and 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 led to his breakthrough work in physics. There are hints of sci-fi and special effects in this. We get to see how his mind works. Talk mm-hmm. about integrating the special effects into the series. Well, Albert Einstein was. Very visual, and and thought experiments were uh, something that he really depended upon. And if he could get um, a visual understanding of one of these physical laws, um, and if it coalesced in his mind, then he would go back and begin doing the math 
to try to prove it. Um, I found, back, you know, researching Beautiful Mind that um, that Tesla was was that way. He could see things merging and coming together, uh, and uh, you know, and so uh, the, the, it was a great um, advantage to me. I, well, there are a couple of them. One, you know, one as I said, he's kind of a Lothario. Uh, second, he's a he's a he's a he's a visualist. Um, and, um, uh, you know, third, he's a, he's a, he's a, a, a Jewish maverick, um, who could not help but push against authority at a time when, um, you know, Nazi Germany was on the rise and, 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 uh, you know, and threatened not only his work, but his existence. That also makes it a bit of a thriller. This is set against a pretty interesting time in history. Well, it's not just the first hour, I was very grateful for all the, the possibilities and the drama. I was excited to try to establish both characters as seamlessly as possible. And, of course, both Jeffrey Rush and Johnny Flynn, um, very gifted. Uh, Jeffrey was cast first, uh, obviously, and then we had to find somebody who who uh, sort of could, could, could meld, mold into, you know, just physically um, um, be believable uh, that he could grow into uh, into Jeffrey Rush's kind of bone structure and shape. We found that with Johnny Flynn, but then what we found was this, you know, incredibly um, sensitive, adept, intelligent, uh, you know, talented actor. He's also a great, a great uh, musician. So, you know, that was you know, all uh, fascinating to work with. But when Noah Pink, who wrote the first uh, episode and conceived of the series, and then Ken Beller, the showrunner, came on board. Uh, and begin to began to describe really what the whole series would be. I realized that you know episode one was not going to be you know necessarily the most suspenseful episode. Uh, you know it, that that each of these episodes were going to surprise audiences in very compelling ways. Important to me is that this never feel like homework, even though it's National Geographic and even though it's uh, committed to authenticity. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very pleased, by the way, not only my episode, but the, the following episodes are, are, uh, are coming together. So talk about the arc of the series. How is it going to play out? Because what I've seen so far, it sort of flashes back and forth between these two poles. How is the rest of the series going to go? Eventually, we settle in and go chronologically. Um, with with not so much jumping around, which we felt would be a little a little exhausting, but once once you understand the stakes, once you understand you know sort of the the nature of the of the man in a kind of holistic way, then we follow chronologically and uh, and 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 uh, you know uh, the the Johnny Flynn uh, version eventually hands off to the Jeffrey Rush version. Uh, and sure, there are little flashbacks here and there and flash forwards here and there. But primarily, we then just you know, allow you to absorb the story of Albert Einstein. And it is it's far more complicated with twists and turns um, than you know, I, never, I ever knew. And of course, and this is why Brian Grazer and I wanted to, wanted to jump into this, because there's a lot of story to tell. And there's never, ever been this this kind of platform. Look, it's not just that we had 10 hours from National Geographic to work with it, but it's also what National Geographic stands for, which is authenticity. You know, it is entertainment through information. Uh, and, and it's also, um, you know, very compelling, powerful visual imagery. And so all of these things are, are um, you know, are, are sort of um, um, promises that we had to, that we had to live up to. And that's, that's important for this. 
It's surprising to see a scripted series on National Geographic. Why was it the right home for it? Well, I think that the um, the, the that part of their entertainment um, uh, value over the years is their authenticity. It is the information that they that they know how to share in a way that that uh, is engrossing uh, and does entertain. And so you actually you have that much more license, and the audiences understand you have that much more license to really, really delve deeply into this story. So it's not going to be a, a condensed, heightened uh, kind of a of a of a of a of a approach to the material. You know, it's going to be thorough and yet um, you know entertaining, which is what what the magazine has achieved over the years, and certainly what Courtney Monroe. Um, sees for the, the the future of Nat Geo's uh, you know scripted material, and they're they're very very creatively ambitious. There, we're, we were thrilled that season two of Mars was announced um, today. That's that's exciting, and again, a real example of what um, Courtney and her team are, uh, are 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 willing to do to stretch the medium. And National Geographic's, um, um, you know, sort of uh, place in in that medium of television. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, I'm 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 really grateful for the association and enjoying it creatively a lot. What does that mean for you as a filmmaker? Obviously, you can you know create whatever feature films you want to make. That's a pretty rich platform. But obviously, there's also at the same time a boom happening in television production right now. Look, it's great for the medium. Of of of, of uh, you know narrative arts and 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 and, and narrative storytelling, it uh, because it's always been a frustration with certain with with material. Look, I've read scripts about Albert Einstein before. I never felt like that either. It could all be captured in a two or two and a half hour movie. Nor did I find that any one single episode was worthy of of two, of two hours of examination with a thrilling, you know, compelling climax and all of those things that you need if it's a single. Um, a viewing experience, but when this came along, it 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 represents what the medium offers to viewers, which is this: this shouldn't be a movie. This 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 should be this. And for the first time, this exists. Uh, it's not just ten hours. It's it's National Geographic uh, providing the auspices for the for the for these ten hours. It's it's absolutely um, it's absolutely ideal. Do I love movies? You know, as much or more than ever. But I also love what's happening on television, and I also love that there's that there's that the way the documentary um, format and is growing, uh, and viewership is growing, and and short form digital and the experimentation that goes on there. It's just broadening, you know, the the the, the and democratizing um, the um, you know the, all the, the the aesthetic uh, and the style and the approach to all you know all kinds of storytelling. You mentioned there were twists and turns in Walter Isaacson's book. What surprised you the most? Well, I had no idea how close the world came on multiple occasions to not gaining the benefit of Einstein's genius. I, I, I had no idea that it wasn't a more or less clear path. Um, to 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 those those discoveries and and that publication, you know, I, I mean, I'd heard that he'd struggled in the patent office and hadn't been the world's greatest uh, student, but I had no idea that um, that his Judaism was was a, a key factor in in threatening to squelch what it was he had to offer. 
uh, nor did I realize that his maverick outlook came so close to uh, to curtailing, you know, what 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 he was uh, uh, the work that he was doing, and uh, and his relationships with various women, which some of which made it possible for for him to achieve, and in a couple of instances also, um, you know, th- threatened. The, the, the possibility that he could go on and, and do the work that we needed him to do. Last question. What shows are you watching right now? What do you like on television? Oh, man. Um, let's see. What, what, have we, what have we tuned into of, of late? Um, can you cut this part? Yes. Can we edit this a little bit? What's the great show on CBS? Crown? Oh. Uh, 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 Fogelman. Uh, 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 this uh, Is Us, whatever you say. Cheryl and I discovered This Is Us. And, um, uh, of course, you know, I directed the movie Parenthood. Uh, we, we had the Parenthood television series on. I'm a sucker for family stories. And of This course. Is Us is such great television and, 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 and so uh, riveting and compelling. My, my, my friend Peter Morgan, who, who uh, wrote and produced both Frost Nixon and Rush, which I, I directed, um, you know, has this remarkable series, The Crown, which is, you know, uh, taking taking television to yet another level um it, you know it's it's pretty remarkable um and i'm just catching up with atlanta which is a great show but you know it's a little overwhelming uh and um and and that's a great thing for creative folks uh and and um you know and it provides a lot of great water cooler conversation because you're actually hearing about shows and, and getting excited about shows that you haven't even sampled yet well i'm sure genius is going to join the water cooler conversation too thank you so much it's been a pleasure speaking with you <laughs> thanks Rob. thanks Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next week with another great episode. We'll be talking about the new season of Homeland with executive producer Leslie Linka-Gladder and the one and only Mandy Patinkin. See you next week. for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.